Bonzilla presents Planet of the Apes. Each week we rocket into the Planet of the Apes. This week we start right where the original left off. It's 1970s beneath the Planet of the Apes. Everybody, welcome back to Bonzilla Presents. We're we're on the mic once again. I'm Nick, and I'm Will. And uh, again, I I do always want to say I, I, our schedule has been a little more inconsistent than it has been in the past. It's just that life has been crazy in a number of ways. Uh, we just did Comic Con, the two of us, uh, which was a fun time to return. Uh, we hadn't been back since that, you know, last Comic Con in 2019, so it was fun. Um, I know our works have been pretty crazy as well. So we do still like doing this. So we do want to just, we try to hop on the mic whenever we can. So again, thank you for your patience uh, with us, everybody. But yeah, we're back. We're more we're back for more. Yeah, let's do it. All right. And we are continuing today our Planet of the Apes series, uh, which again, I'm very excited for. I have not seen any else of the original five Planet Apes films other than the original, which we talked about last time. Uh, so today we're delving into the second Planet of the Apes movie from 1970. We're going to find out what's beneath the Planet of the Apes today. What is it? What's beneath it? it? it a lot's going on down there, Will. <laughs> Uh, but we'll do it. We'll do a little bit of a quick uh, backstory on this film. So the original Planet of the Apes releases 19, uh, you know, late 1960s is a huge success for Fox and Fox is immediately eager to delve into a second Planet of the Apes movie. Uh, not just because uh, this is, again, the boon, the era of the beginning of the blockbuster, right? We've had these Bond films for a couple of years. More more companies are trying to figure out, hey, what can we do, you know, to to kind of bring back audiences? Sequels are becoming more and more of a commonplace idea. So Fox was like, well, we have our own series, right? This is, uh, you know, a couple of years before they get Star Wars and Aliens in there. So uh, Planet of the Apes is like, hey, we got our series. Uh, but the other thing about Fox is Fox was, as many studios are around uh, different areas, they were, they were a struggling studio. We kind of think now... Hey, Fox has always been around, so they've always been fine. But late 60s into the 70s, Fox had a lot of really high budget films that kind of underperformed. We're talking about 1969, Hello, Dolly. We're talking about um, Tor, Tor, Tor is in production around this time. And it is a big bomb. And, and Fox is really sort of not having that many hits. And the fact that Planet of the Apes was a big hit for them meant that, hey, if this movie can do well once why not again why not kind of get on get in on the apes fever <laughs> i love how that's like a perfect distillation of just like hollywood franchise movie making 
Well, it's I. I mean, if you did it once, why can't you do it twice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why can't we do it a thousand times? Because That's... it's like what's good about that is like you really don't have a good reason for it. Yeah. Like it is actually good logic. Yeah. Like it's like, well, why can't we just make another another movie? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it should be another Planet of the Apes. <laughs> and and, and uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that in a second because we got about thought, well, where does the idea for a sequel come from? Uh, so obviously Rod Serling wrote the original script for Planet of the Apes. Uh, so they went to him because he is still a big name writer. Serling was bigger on this sort of reboot of another earlier series of his, which was Night Gallery. There was a 70s reboot of the show that he was working on at the time. And while he did have a few ideas, uh, Fox wasn't really interested in, in, in hiring him full time, especially because he wouldn't be able to get you know fully invested into the Planet of the Apes movie. So next they turned to the author of the original novel, Pierre Boulet, who wrote a screenplay fully in French and then was translated for the Fox executives. Uh, it was entitled Planet of the Men. <laughs> and um, it was essentially like it took place a decade after the original and Taylor essentially causes a human uprising in the ape society. And there's a big war between the humans and the apes and, and if humanity eventually reclaims the planet. Um, but Fox was sort of not taken in by the script because they felt it didn't have the shock and surprise value of Planet of the Apes because they really did want, well, Planet of the Apes like was sort of this, this gangbusters thing and it was because of the kind of the shocking nature of how we presented the movie and it's like the twists and turns. So we need another movie like Planet of the Apes that presents a visual shock and has twists and turns in it. So just having Taylor rise up against the apes felt like it was it wasn't going to be exciting enough for an, another Planet of the Apes movie. So they then turn to British writer Paul Den, um, who is a name we're going to hear very much throughout the rest of these Planet of the Apes movies, this original series, in terms of, okay, what can you bring to the Planet of the Apes table? Uh, and Paul Dem worked, side, worked alongside the associate producer of the film, Mort Abrams, uh, to come up with the story that we kind of see on screen, um, which includes uh, allusions to nuclear war. Uh, and Abrams had said that a lot of the inspiration for the film was taken directly by how the previous film ended, that he knew he wanted the film to be a very direct continuation of the original and sort of the hint that they were in the New York area and sort of the revelation that it was Earth all along led to the idea of the underground society living in old New York um, and his sort of recollections of the uh, nuclear bombs that had been hit in Japan, as well as the still ongoing nuclear, you know, uh, you know, scared. Everybody was still scared of nuclear war led to him coming up with the uh, bomb idea and sort of a, a society that worships an atomic bomb. Um, at one point in the Den script, there was also sort of an implication that at some point there was going to be a human-ape hybrid child um, that would be sort of a big deal around the ape society as sort of an abomination. And there were makeup tests done for this ape-human child, but then Fox put the kibosh on it because they worried that the censors would nail them for bestiality. Um, so... Ah. They they uh they the the implied bestiality of that. 
Um, another major part of Dem's script that was eventually cut out, but we still have hints of in the movie, is an uprising of the, the chimpanzees against the orangutans and the gorillas, uh, which was going to factor into the end of the movie. Um, but another big thing that we'll see throughout the film and, and sort of its production is the, the, the budget kept getting slashed. The original budget was like, hey, we're doing a big sequel. Let's give it $5 million. And then with all the failures, again, as Elo Dolly fails, as the budget rises on Tor Tor Tora, the, the, the budget gets slashed in half from $5 million to $2.5 million. Uh, so some of the elements, like the, the, the chimp uprising, sort of had to be relegated to some more, to, more of a background element of the film as opposed to a main feature of the movie. They also were going to ask the uh, original director, Franklin J. Schaffner, to return to do Planet of the Apes. Uh, but he had already committed to filming Patton, which would eventually win him an Oscar. Uh, and that was fine with the Fox executives. You know, they would have loved to have this big time director back. But now that they were had an open slot, they were like, OK, we can get a cheaper director that knows how to make a movie cheaply. So they eventually get TV director Ted Post for that reason, that Ted Post directed mostly TV around this time, TV movies and television show episodes. He knew how to do things quickly and on a short budget. Uh, Post was not very happy with the script and thought that it was a script without a point. So he and uh, one of our lead actors, which I'll talk about in a second, did some uncredited rewrites of the script to give it a little more depth in their eyes. Even though Post would even say after the movie that the the he felt he always felt the ending was much too cynical, but that was something that people wouldn't budge on. Um. So Post is in there, you know, they've got a script. Now it's about the casting. It's as it's the direct sequel, they want to bring back characters that were in the first one. And uh, of course, that is mainly the return of Charlton Heston uh, as Taylor. So Heston was not on board at all with doing a sequel. One, apparently he was against sequels as a general idea. He thought that sequels were just dumb. In, in general, a story is a story, and that's the story. But, but but Heston, if you can do one, why not do another one? Yes, <laughs> you can um, do it. An event, and especially with Planet of the Apes, where Heston felt that uh, the first one was so unique, and he he enjoyed playing like the struggles of Taylor in that society, whereas he felt that the Taylor story was essentially done, and a sequel would just turn it into a man fighting ape creatures, and he, he was not interested in that. Um, so the studio went back and forth with Heston and Heston's agents, and eventually an agreement was made in the sense that Heston would return to the movie if his shooting could be done in a week, and that basically he would only be at the beginning and end of the film, and that if his entire salary was donated to charity. Uh, so he he did get a big, big payday, but immediately gave everything to charity and through Fox. So with that, Fox uh, decided that they were going to cast a new lead to kind of anchor the majority part of the film and created the character of Brent, who uh, was originally going to be Burt Reynolds um, until Burt Reynolds turned them down. And then they went to television actor James Franciscus um, who Fox liked because he looked ex he looked pretty much exactly like Heston to some degree. And so they felt that that would add to the just his appeal, right? Heston, again, it's like, why not do it again? 
Heston worked and he kind of looks like Heston. So why not? A, make- okay. So this is skipping ahead. Yeah. But there was a moment in the film. I was worried about the movie for a little bit. And my yeah. first thing was like, why does he look just like Charleston Heston? Yes. Charleston Heston. Like, why? Like, I'm so confused. So now I know. But also, I will say, there was a moment in this film when the two characters finally meet, right? Yeah. And he starts talking, our new guy. He starts talking, and I turn away <laughs> as he starts talking. And then I look back, and then I start watching the movie again. And I'm like, oh, okay, they, they're giving Charlton Heston, like, a big monologue. And then it cuts <laughs> to Charlton Heston. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> He looks just like him. Yeah. I mean, they, I know they joke about it in the movie. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, James, <laughs> moving on. James Franciscus is the actor I mentioned that did end up working on the script with director Ted Post because he wanted to give Brent a little bit more of a character. Um, and Franciscus was mostly known on television for playing like doctors and lawyers and very well-dressed men. And he said that he was so eager to be in a role where he could be shirtless the entire time. Like that was just something that was so different than what he did on television. And he was like, he said he was a former tennis player. He was a natural athlete though. It it wasn't that big of a deal for him. Um, So Maurice Evans comes back to Dr. Zayas, very eager to come back. Not as eager to come back was Kim Hunter who was returning um, as uh, our friend Zira uh, because she was, still kind of reeling from the makeup of the, the original movie. And then it was literally like coming right back to production. But her role, of course, was also promised to be rather short, just essentially a beginning part of the movie, the first half of the movie. Not returning to the movie and disappointed not be to returning to the movie was Roddy McDowell as Cornelius. Uh, Roddy was super eager to come back, but unfortunately he was directing his first movie in Scotland at the time. Um, And so he just could not make the production. Uh, So the role of Cornelius was recast, but Roddy did say that any other planet of the apes projects, he would be more than happy to come back um, because he really liked playing with that makeup and with the character. And we'll see Roddy multiple times down the line. So no worries about that. Uh, So David Watson comes in to play the role of Cornelius again in that kind of short film, part of the beginning of the movie. Uh, Linda Harrison comes back as Nova. And uh, I also do want to mention as well, um, just as Linda Harrison got her role as Nova due to sort of a nepotism of being a mistress of someone on production. Um, we also have Natalie Trundy, uh, who is also uh, a, a, a wife of someone on the production who is plays one of the psychics, which we will definitely talk about in the movie. But uh, she also will be a constant figure in the Planet of the Apes series. Uh, one of our other major new characters, other than sort of the, the psychics that I just mentioned, is the gorilla general, General Ursus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, originally was written with uh, a very, uh, a, a, a significant member of Bonzilla history uh, for the role. Uh, the role was written for and offered originally to one Orson Welles. Um, and we know 60s and 70s Orson Welles was very particular about what he got to do on set. And one of the things he did not want to do on set was do his whole performance under a mask. Not anything he was interested in. And also, if he did ask to do magic, I'm sure they would say no. So he was already like, no. Uh, so eventually, um, James Gregory 
uh, came into the role and again was someone who was super eager, someone like Roddy, who was super eager to play with sort of the, the makeup and the performance of being sort of this guerrilla general. And that was another thing that uh, Den wanted to do when he wrote the script is that the original film gave a lot of time to the orangutan side of society and the chimpanzee side of the society. But the gorillas were really sort of a background element of the original film. So Dem wanted to give more of a role to the gorilla side and the war side of the ape society and kind of hint a little bit more about how that functions within sort of this intellectually driven ape society. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to always give a shout out to my boy, Paul Fries, narrator extraordinaire who has one little bit of narration at the end of the movie, which we'll talk about, but I'm a big fan of Paul Fries, big, big Disney history guy. Paul Fries is awesome. Uh, you know him as the ghost host as the haunted mansion and other things as well. So with that, uh, filming begins early 1969. Literally the movie kind of comes out and they're really quickly trying to get back into production. Um, it was a title beneath the planet of the apes uh, after the original title was going to be planet of the apes revisited um, because of the major plot point of the movie being what does lie beneath the planet of the apes. Uh, even though what lies beneath is a very different movie. Um, we're going to find out what lies beneath the planet of the apes uh, in, in the film. Um, so uh, in terms of saving budget, a lot of the New York set, um, that's the underground New York set was redressed from the production of Hello Dolly, uh, which you know has a significant portion of the movie take place in New York. Uh, so the the movie does sort of reuse those Hello Dolly sets in order to um, kind of again keep the budget down. Um, Post as the director did his best, right? He did use his television experience to kind of make that budget work. But he was very frustrated as it seemed like a lot of stuff that they had thought they were going to do were not going to be able to be done. For example, like the original Planet of the Apes, everybody was going to get the full ape makeup. And then as production started, they decided that, okay, only the main ape creatures and the main main ape actors would have the full amazing ape makeup that was used in the original and that many of the background gorillas and chimpanzees would more use sort of a more primitive, just sort of face covering mask as well. And it was the same thing with the psychics uh, in New York. And again, we'll talk about the psychics more, but originally their true forms were going to be more grotesque makeup, but the budget was cut. So they kind of had to do a still a more human esque makeup job uh, for, for the psychics um, in the movie. So, yeah, um, we also were originally going to have Jerry Goldsmith appear uh, to do the score again, but Goldsmith had gone to Patton, a lot of Franklin J. Schaffner. So instead, we have um, Leonard Roseman, um, who we have heard on Bonzilla before, do the score for uh, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. And uh, he was very much tried to kind of capture some of what... um, goldsmith did with his own style which features a lot more sweeping sort of music but tried to capture goldsmith's sort of very electric score uh from the original motion picture it generally was just a very fast production fox wanted to really get this film out to try to again on its lower budget 
get it out fast so we could make them a little bit of money, afford them a little more time to kind of continue making big films. Um, Heston got his work done, I said, in eight days. He was very happy to be in and out of the movie. Kim Hunter said that he, uh, she was also very happy at this point to get very, that she didn't have to be in that makeup as much and also talked about how uh, James Francis as Brent was taking the role way more seriously than uh, Heston did as Taylor uh, in the original film, which he felt almost made the production a little bit harder in the sense that Taylor was very light off of, you know, off camera and was very friendly with everybody where Francisus was sort of more treating this like, Hey, it's a performance. And I gotta, I gotta keep serious. Even when the cameras aren't rolling, he was kind of giving it a lot more thought um, than uh, he, uh, than Taylor, than, um, than, than uh, Heston did. Uh, But Heston also uh, as the production mounted up, did have a very, very, very significant addition to the, the script it's Heston who comes up with the film's ending uh, which specifically is so he will never be invited back to do another planet of the apes movie Um, that was his plan at the time he's like why don't we just why don't we just blow everything up and that's spoiler alert that's how the movie ends Uh, so it was Heston who came up with that idea and the producers liked it so that's why the movie ends the way it does I'm holding I'm holding my tongue because I can't wait to talk about the movie proper. Yeah, um, but that's a basically that's basically the production of the movie. I mean, um, it, it, it's essentially them trying to recreate the magic of Planet of the Apes in order to help Fox continue the function. I mean, I, I always kind of say this where it's like, again, we think of these big stalwarts of cinema, the studio system as sort of this indelible thing that cannot fail. But there's many times I've talked about it on the Disney side of things. There's times where Disney was essentially on the brink of bankruptcy during the Walt era and after the Walt era. And there was times with uh, we talked about it with RKO during our Kong series. Right. RKO was one of those early stalwarts of cinema and RKO ceases to be RKO. is just sort of a name, a historical name that someone owns now and they can loan out and be like, it's an RKO production or something like that. I mean, yeah, we talked about it a couple of times during the. Godzilla episodes of early Bonzilla days. Yeah, it's and it's just like Fox was at a point where, yeah, I mean they were they were just under a decade from having the big Star Wars hit on their hands and having Alien and having more uh, more of a settled score. But the late sixties, early seventies for Fox was not a good time. So they were banking a lot on this sort of surprise Planet of the Apes hit to be something that can continue give people jobs and allow them to make more money. That was essentially, that was essentially it. And that's why the movie is made the way it was made. And there was a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of budget considerations and a lot of caveats in terms of making the film work. It probably wasn't the ideal sequel that everybody would have wanted to make, right? It's not the ideal that the writers or the director or even the actors probably would have wanted, you know, every, everybody kind of put their own thing, right? Heston didn't want to work the full movie. And there was, they had to consider budgets that maybe took the third act down a step in terms of what they wanted to do with a big old war among the ape factions. But at the end of the day, they were able to put the movie out. They got it on that low budget, about two and a half to three million. Um, and they were going to be ready for release in 1970. And Fox was hoping for a big hit. That's essentially the story of Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Nice. All right. 
So with that, Will, let's let's talk about it. What does lie beneath the Planet of the Apes? Ooh, I'm excited to find out. <laughs> to the Forbidden Lands. Forbidden Zone, you moron. Zone, ah, no. <laughs> that's a bad joke. That's that's a bad Family Guy joke. Like, where are we? It's like, oh, there's nothing out here. It's like, well, where do you... This is the Forbidden Lands. We, we're supposed to go to the Forbidden Zone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, All beneath right. the Planet of the Apes, let's get to it. Atomic bomb. It's operational. I intend to use it. What type is it? I don't know. I don't know what type. I've never seen it before. But didn't you see a series number? No numbers. Just... Just some letters on on one, one of the fins, Greek letters. Alpha and, and Omega. What? The doomsday bomb. My God. What a lovely souvenir from the 20th century. They weren't satisfied with a bomb that could knock out a city. They finally built one with a cobalt casing. All in the sweet name of peace. Those bloody fools. They don't know what they've got. I mean, they, they pray to the damn thing. If they shoot it off at some of those apes, it could set off a chain reaction in the whole atmosphere. Burn the planet to a cinder. How's that for your ultimate weapon? So, Will, we, we return to Earth in the far future. We have known now that the planet, it was Earth all along. Mm-hmm. And that there's a little bit more going on. Part on of the, the story. There's a part little bit more the to, the, to the planet of the apes than one would think. One so, would expect. I will say, I got to start. Yeah, I got I to start with this one. I will say... As we had mentioned previously at the top of the show, my knowledge, I shouldn't say my knowledge, my viewing history of Planet of the Apes has been the original one and all the new ones. And I have a very cursory knowledge of all the ones in between, but I have never seen them. So I would be lying if I said that I didn't know what this one entailed. Mm -hmm. Like I knew what the ending was and I kind of knew what it, the thing was like I I, I kind of knew the general idea of like where this one was gonna go, right? Yeah. So I, I I saw kind of a lot of it coming, but I gotta say, I love this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I I love. I thought this movie was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> now there was a moment where I was worried. Yeah. And you know they open up. On the Charlton has, uh, you know, the the whole recap of the first movie. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. Then we're doing a, oh, it's another spaceship that landed. And they do a hand wavy, like, well, like, we followed the trajectory of the last ship. And that's how we got here. And it's like that. It's a guy who looks just like Charlton Heston, which I I still do not understand. (laughs) So they do all that. And then, you know, and then they're kind of going through that. Then Nova shows up and then like they do flashbacks with like, you know, 
like was it taylor tyler how did how, tyler, taylor 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 okay so it's like taylor who's kind of Charlton Hess is like, if I'm going to do this movie, I'm just going to dial up the creep factor a little bit more. Like, it's like, this poor woman. <laughs> First of all, that's probably my only criticism of the movie. This poor woman cannot catch a break. <laughs> she just has no idea what's happening. And everybody's like, you have to understand me. And she's like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, okay, okay. Imagine, like, because you have to imagine, like, in the in the reality of this world, she is essentially for lack of a better term, an animal. Like, she is, like, the equivalent to, like, a chimp in our world. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So imagine if you were just, like, a normal, above-average intelligent animal, and then a slight, and then a very smart version of the same animal just, like, starts doing all of this to you. Like, just starts being like, you don't understand! <laughs> The world, even if it was you, imagine like a person comes up to you, and the only reason you know he's smart because he has like telekinesis or something. And then he's like, I just landed on this planet. You don't get it. This is not how it's supposed to be. So then he starts taking you on this adventure, starts touching you, starts like teaching you how to like speak through your mind, but in a very patronizing way. And then, oh, like, and because of circumstances, you're just going to start getting choked and drowned. <laughs> Just leave me in the cage, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no. But, so. Yeah. Besides all that. So the movie was going on there, but there was a moment. There was a moment in the movie where it kicks into high gear. They're riding. They're riding into the distance in the, in the forbidden zone. And then all of a sudden, a wall of fire <laughs> just comes out of nowhere. And in, I'm watching it. I'm just like, what? <laughs> What's happening? And then like, Shit hits the fan. There's an awesome, very cool special effect of the ground splitting open. Mm -hmm. And then Charlton Heston gets swallowed up by it. So now I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This is awesome. Then you pivot to finally, you know, our new guy finds out, you know, Taylor 2. He finds out. That's really just his name. He literally is like not Taylor 2. He's not that different than any of the other characters. He's Taylor 2, but with like a slightly better attitude. Like that, that's like, he's Taylor. Yeah, he's just kind of like Luigi Taylor. Like it's like, that's kind of his thing. He's player two Taylor. So, uh, so they go, then they, then it's funny. Then they go to the, to the, to the ape city. And then he's like, oh my God, it's a planet of the apes. And then like you start getting into you know, the John Wayne gorilla. Who's and, on, yeah, we'll talk about more. I love that. I love that performance. Bottom line, what I'm trying to say is like, I, I ultimately thought, you know, it took me a minute, but when it was over, because I had this conversation with a lot, with somebody else the, uh, the other day, this movie reminded me a lot about how I feel about the original Halloween 2. Yeah, that like the first movie is clearly like the perfect classic, but this movie is a pretty well done. Okay, let's kind of swing for the fences on like the next one that kind of honors the first one. We're just going to take it the next step and then it kind of (laughs) ends and then that's it. Yeah, to the point that I think if I watch the first one now, maybe it's because I've seen the first one so many times. If I watch the first one, I think I'm just going to want to watch the second one now, too. 
Yeah, and the, I, I'm, I'm happy you feel that way, man. I'm, I'm and, the, and the ending of this movie is maybe one of the most badass lines of cinema I've ever heard. And I knew it was coming, and I didn't. I've never heard it like like actually said out loud. And I didn't really know what the line was. And then when it happened, it did not. The ending of this movie, like, just owns. It, it is incredible. <laughs> we'll get I to love, it. I we'll love, get to I, it. I, I, Overall, dude, I, I really I walked away from it being like, that was good. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Oh, and then there's other things like the characterization of the apes. So good. The makeup. So good. Um, like just like those those aspects of it alone. Like I you know, it's funny because you would have been forgiven that a movie like this would have had like a major dip in production quality. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't like there's like things like where the apes and the performances are like just as good. And in some cases, maybe not better, but they seem better because the one difference about this movie is like this movie is kind of like it's not relying on the Taylor character to be the um, the audience surrogate. Like right. now, you know, the world. So now you're just spending more time swaths of time with the ape. like it's interesting because now the Tim Burton of the planet, the Tim Burton Planet Apes movie, kind of resembles this one a little bit more than the original one, mm-hmm. which is which is really interesting. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, color me a fan of the movie. You know, it's funny because this was a very like I'm I'm a similar to you that like I haven't seen the rest of this series, but I generally know the 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 sequence of events that happens among these films, and. In one sense, this was a very surreal experience for me because it really was like, I am such a big fan. I am so familiar with the original Planet of the Apes that like seeing like more time in this specific world was it was just surreal to kind of see like, hey, we're doing more on this movie after. Right. Because it picks up right after the original. And I I think I have a similar viewing to you where it's like I, I really wasn't sure like what I was feeling about the movie. I was just kind of watching it. I was digging aspects of it. And then, like by the end, I it really, I really warmed up to it. And obviously, it's I don't think it like is it you know reaches the heights of the original. I think the original is its own special thing, and I think most people will agree on that. But I, I was generally surprised at just how like I liked a lot of the unique elements of this movie. Because um, I also know that we the the movie originally had a reputation of not being good, and and and, and a lot of people, a lot of hardcore Planet Apes fans do consider this the weakest among the original works. And I would say, like, if this is the weakest of the original works, and I'm very eager to see what the rest of these films are. You know what? Be. Yeah, because I'm like, if I like this one, like, this is, I'm, well, it's interesting, because the little I know about the upcoming sequels is, like, that's what kind of more informed, like, the legacy and the what led to the modern-day version of the apes Yes, are. Like, I know it's more, because I get it, because... I do know that the sequels lean more into like the human and the ape thing. This movie admittedly is more of like a dystopian future story. Right. It, it really is. It's like, yeah. it's like a new sci-fi story on the planet of the apes, as opposed to being specifically about the planet of the apes in some regard, especially because a large portion of the movie, you know, doesn't necessarily feature the apes as much. It, features again a society of underground psychic people so mm-hmm. uh, but yeah everything about you the beginning of the movie it, it is funny right because you 
because there is like the, the one part about the movie, especially at the beginning, is that like there is sort of a lot of the similar kind of beats, just, just very shortened, right? Or it's like, oh, you know, it's like they the like not Taylor Brent as he's called in the movie, yeah. like lands Taylor too. Taylor too lands yeah. on the movie with with Skipper. With he like, lands on the movie. <laughs> That's got to be in something, right? Like, you're like, you landed in the movie. Like, it was just like something happened. I mean, that's that's the plot of the new Deadpool, right? I just yeah. kind of landed in these movies. Yeah. <laughs> I was on a test flight. <laughs> I landed in the MCU. That's that's what I want. Crazy. The, and that's if, all you say. If we, oh, my God. That movie can just be Planet of the Apes. <laughs> But for Deadpool, <laughs> where's Wolverine? <laughs> he's 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 that's definitely a joke you could do, though, where he gets in the MCU and is still disappointed. He can't have time with Hugh Jackman because he's not there either. What would be the thing? I'm sorry. I know this is a tangent, but it's got to happen. What would be the Liberty Statue of Liberty moment for Deadpool in that when he realizes like he's like not in the Fox universe anymore. Just a giant statue of Robert Downey Jr.'s head. Yeah. But like, it's gotta be like, what, what was in those movies that like, can't, you couldn't do. I don't know, but you get the idea. That would be funny. Like, it's like, if you just, it's like the fish out, it just honestly, you don't even have to explain it. It's planet of the apes, Deadpool, Charlton Heston, and the MCU and all the superheroes we know and love are the apes. <laughs> he, fi- <laughs> he finds like something Morbius related. <laughs> oh, no. no, 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 that it's, you know what you do, you know what the funny thing is, the funniest part about it would be if you redid the ending of the Tim Burton plan of the apes, which is the sequel where it's like, he thinks he escapes the MCU, but he lands in the Sony Spider-Man. Yes! <laughs> yes! And Morbius is, is a, a, the Abe Lincoln statue. He's like, he goes in, he thinks he escapes, and he, he ends up seeing like a wanted side for Dr. Michael Morbius. Damn you! No! <laughs> Oh, audience, sorry. That one had to happen. No, listen, good. man. That was it, good. I think it's it, it'll be a classic. Maybe someone will tweet about this one, too. Who knows? <laughs> Give us some fan art. Uh, no, all right. No, but, so uh, anyway, uh, so he does, he lands on the planet. Yeah, yeah he lands which, which the- I did. I did think was funny because, like, it did really feel like a hand wavy. Why we're doing this again. Right. Like, it's we, like we, hey, we tracked him down. We, we, we tried to look for Taylor. We went on the exact same trajectory. And again, you get kind of the beats where like his like skipper, like his friend, they are like, they both realize like, hey, we're far in the future. And then the skipper does a really quick like, oh, all my family and friends are dead. And then he dies. You know, it's just like, but it's like we kind of like did a version of that in the previous one with the other guys, too, where they're like, hey, everything you've ever known is dead. So that's fun. And then, yeah, so then, yeah, I did like this. We talked about it a little bit, but this part is funny when Noah comes because beginning of the movie, it literally begins 
with just showing you the end of Planet of the Apes again. And then over the title, we see the further sort of tracks of Taylor and Nova. And then the next time we see Nova, she's alone on the horse. And then you're like, where, where'd Taylor go? And then what is like, like Taylor to Brent here is just yelling at her of just like, where's Taylor? Like you have his dog tags. Like, can you understand English? Clearly, dude, she cannot. She's very confused by everything you're doing. Yeah, Nova just constantly looks like something smells bad in the movie. <laughs> Like she, it, like she does. She looks so uncomfortable because, like, men are always yelling. Like, you were an animal in a cage two days ago, and now you've not only like kind of like, you know, uh, like you know, survived a one-man prison escape, learned, kind of learned, like maybe you don't know what's going on, and then you just saw a wall of fire and a man get eaten up by the earth. Well, while the and man. Then, and, and then another guy who looks just like him is like giving you shit about it. Yeah. And especially like, cause also Taylor's trying to teach her how to say his name. Taylor. Oh, didn't like it. Didn't yeah. like it. No, it's weird. And then, and, yeah, and then Brent's just like, look, Taylor, I, I, I have this. I'm with Taylor. Take me to where you can help me. And, and, and she's just, yeah, you're right. She just looks so confused and torn, especially cause yeah, she just saw, I guess her lover, like, again, we don't really know how Nova feels about I thought about this while watching the movie. Like, I thought about this where I'm like, have they consummated yet? Yeah. I did think about this. Right. There's a part of me, there was a part of me that, like, thought that maybe not. Well, because we know, we we do know, like, I mentioned last time, we do know that a big pregnancy thing with Nova was cut out of the end of Planet of the Apes. Ah, right, 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 right. Yeah, a big pregnancy thing with her. And then they cut it because it was just like, oh, they were going to have marriage out of wedlock. We can't have that. Even though it's like, again, this is a little cute. Like, because really when you think about it, right? Like, <laughs> Taylor's really just like, oh, this woman's hot. Like, that's why I'm hanging around with her. There's no sense of like, right? There's no sense of like, oh, I'm really falling in love with this woman that can't speak and has no discernible personality other than looking confused at everything I do. I was also thinking about that because like he was very fine just leaving swaths of other humans just imprisoned by apes. Yeah. I didn't I never thought about that until watching this. Yeah. Because that Right. Yeah. Well, cuz uh. then and then also the thing is like this person's yelling at her and she just saw her like the person that he she has been with and I guess is like leading her on, right? They just saw this wall of fire, the ground open up and then Taylor's like, listen, I'm going to investigate. If you, if you, if you, anything happens, go back to the, go back to zero. She'll help. And he like jumps in this chasm and just disappears. Like literally like not even like falls down. It literally just disappears in the thin air. And she's very confused. Eventually. Which Brent, was a really good effect, by the way. I oh, was the, like the, really impressed the, by the, that. The ground, the ground opening. Yes. Yeah. That yeah, was really sure. good. Yeah. For sure. Love, love stuff like that. Um, so eventually, you know, Brent eventually just jumps on the horse and she, takes him to Ape City where uh, we're having a big meeting of all the ape factions and we get our introduction to General Ursus um, who, this was a performance I really like. Very basic, but like just again, we didn't really get a lot of the gorillas in the previous movie, so just having sort of this big gorilla dude giving this impassioned speech about you know, finally conquering the Forbidden Zone and sort of like giving this whole militaristic sort of idea and sort of even like those subtle things were like the, the gorillas are all very wild about it and they're very eager to kind of go on this conquest. 
the orangutans are kind of more like, yeah, you know, the, we, we need this arm of us, you know, and we kind of get it most with, with, uh, with Zira, but the chimps are very against this. The chimps of science, right, are very against all this and, and very much feel like they're being kind of cut out of the society. There's a lot of really subtle stuff they do with the directing here and sort of the performances of these three factions that does add a lot to kind of the world of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I feel like my comment on this is just going to be kind of like a universal comment for the movie. I I, I really felt that just they just thoroughly, effectively, through character and dialogue, really built out what this world is. Like, you know, it was funny because we talked about in the last film that the whole like, oh, there's there's uh, gorillas, orangutans, and there's chimps, and we talked about like how like the gorillas are kind of like you know the military force and the muscle, and the orangutans were like the the you know the elders, and like the chimps were the scientists but civilians really. And I just thought that everything about building that relationship out was really beautifully done not only in kind of like visual window dressing, but also within dialogue, within characters that you get invested in. Now, f- frankly, like, you know, three of those characters um, you've already got to meet in the in the previous film. Yeah. Which gives our gorilla general, like, much time to shine. And mm-hmm. in, in his first scene, you know, with his, you know, John Wayne light twang, yeah. like, you, you, you just... You, you get in you just get invested in him like you know it, it, it's a very arch type of character like you know he's the guy who wants to kind of like wage war um but then on the on the flip side of that dr zayas is like fleshed out even more like just like he becomes like a truly three-dimensional character in this film i thought so i just thought all the work like even in this one scene you got almost a movie's worth of world building. And it's there's that little again, a little bit of that subtle stuff, especially in his speech for you know the the generals like, you know, I'm not one that believes all humans are bad because their skin is white. Like I I I I just Which believe- I thought was funny because it's like there's no black people <laughs> in Planet of the Apes. Except one of the psychics. That guy's black. That guy's black. They also killed a black guy in the last one. They did, yes. So I don't know why they did the whole skin is white thing. But, but to also know, be fair, 70s. The black psychic in the credits is known as Negro, which I'm like that's kind of bad. Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> moving on. Um <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, but I, I did really like sort of the general speech and again the voice is perfect for the character and you can see like where that character has a place in the society right and again he's very much like and and also again they do give him a little backstory in the sense that like yeah they know something's out in the forbidden zone that like they previously didn't and that like he sent scouts there and only you know you know 12 of them disappeared and the 13th came back and said there's there's amazing things out there and we have to investigate which by the way one of my it's a very subtle scene of like some sort of special effects but I loved how they got the sweat when they were in the um, the sauna. There's a scene right after that speech where, where General Ursus and uh, Dr. Zayas are in the sauna. And they're basically kind of like naked and everything like that. But I was really like, whoa, they got some nice sweaty sheen 
on the uh, on the general there. It looked really nice and and kind of really added to just the realism of the world, which I thought was was very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, it it was like it it was. I just appreciated, like, especially coming into this movie, it's like you, it was almost like that the whole world had not missed a beat in terms of like delivering it to the audience and then also doing something kind of like interesting and new and fun. And it was just, it was just authentic. It just worked. Yeah. And, sometimes, and, and, sometimes shit just works and, and again, the movie just works. And again, like also that scene in the sauna adds again, more character to both of them where it's like, we've seen the general give this big blustery speech to the masses, but then he's talking more sort of real to Dr. Zayas about like, well, this is what's going on and this is why we need to investigate it. And kind of like, yes, I want to conquer it, but there is something going on out there and we need to protect our ape society. And again, you kind of get that with Zayas a little bit where it's like, he is, you know, an officer, you know, he's kind of in that orangutan society, society where like he is someone who, yes, like is kind of on the religious side of things, but also is the minister of science. And he well, because had- Zay- Zayas was always that guy, like he wanted to maintain order and he did have a belief system, but he's, he wasn't the guy who was like, let's go commit genocide. Like he, he wasn't that guy. Yeah. And what I liked about the scene, well, there's two thoughts I had about the scene. One is everything you said, so I won't repeat it, but I just did like that. This was the first part uh, of the two movies thus far where it's like, now we are going to be diving into scenes where it's just only apes. And it's only like the characters in the makeup, just having honest conversations with each other that push forward the story that build out the characters. Second thing, the naked apes are a little, it's a little weird. It's a little know. weird. I'm glad they did it. It's good. But like, it's just kind of like, cause you see them. I think it's because you always see them in the same outfit every time. Yeah. So then when they're just naked, you're just like, that's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they make the general, different. Look, they make the general look suitably big. Like he looked pretty nice. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it was, it, it was good. It was good. And what I liked about it was like, and I, and again, you had alluded to this and mentioned it was like, I don't know. It was just, it was just well-written. It was well-written. It was well-performed because I think a lesser movie would have really leaned into like the very like arch, their antagonists. And like, cause what I hate about that is like, when you see movies like that, it's like when two characters are like so antagonistic together, you're like, okay, that works for the plot. But how did this ever work before I was watching this? And what you get when you see this is like, it does feel like a fleshed out world of like, okay, like these guys are colleagues, but from different departments. Yeah. And they both kind of believe the same thing, but they're just like, yeah, but you know, I kind of need you to work on the weekend. And it's like, yeah, but I don't really want to work on it. Like, it's kind of like that kind of vibe to it. They're both leaders of their respective divisions. So they have a lot of contact with each other, especially in the context of making these types of decisions. And all, well, all that's going on, especially the big meeting, right? And we also get a big moment with Zero where she refuses initially to stand up um, for the general speech. And then, you know, the new Cornelius is like, you, you, you're, you're going you're gonna to get killed if you don't. So, like, eventually she requires to stand up. But, but Taylor, too, is also watching this. And again, like, again, it's one of those funny things where, like, the very shortened version of the previous movie, it's like, oh, man, it's a planet of apes? I got to get out of here. Like, that's literally like, he's just like, man, I'm not sticking around here. So 
eventually, like, he and Nova run off, but one of the gorilla, you know, sentries, or I guess that's what you would call it, like, like the kind of guards, like, sees it or hears something and kind of investigates, shoots into the bushes and hits uh, Brent. And, you know, he a bird flies up and he's like, oh, well, that was nothing. And now Brent's hurt. So eventually Nova takes him over to Sierra's uh, uh, and Cornelius's house uh, where they re- are returning from their daily duties and then returning for the day. And this is where we get the little bit like, again, I, I always like this about I like this about Cornelius and Zira in the previous movie. And what I liked about it in this movie is, again, before they discover that um, they before they discover that Taylor, too, is like hiding in their place. There is just a little domestic conversation just about like, you know, what's going on in their society and sort of the, the feelings they have. And Zero makes a quip that like like how all gorillas are like dumbasses, essentially, like. There's a lot, there's a nice little bit of like back and forth just between them of just like, well, this is like, this is just a couple airing out their grievances about what's going on. And, and one's a lot more like politically minded, like this is going to ruin our science and our apes and our, and our, the society we have. And the other one's like, listen, honey, like we kind of have to deal with this for now, but this is just the way things are. Like, there's a nice little kind of back and forth between them. Yeah. I mean, like, that's like kind of what is, I mean, again, like, I just think the movie takes its time to build out these little, I mean, even earlier in the, in that, in the whole, like, town congregation scene, like, they still put in some pieces of flavor of Cornelius and Zero and, like, what their whole deal was, how they felt about it. Um, I just thought the movie was, like, a perfect uh, continuation of those two characters. I I, I have no notes. Yeah. Um, I think that they were even, like, you know, little little beats and details of like little callbacks to the original one with those two characters. Like, I like that. Like Cornelius was like, my one of my favorite lines in the movie was when he's like, "We love Taylor. He was great. He was such a unique specimen." Yeah, <laughs> like that was. But like his actions, like it was just, it was just kind of nice that like now they saw themselves on the opposite side of just like without question being allies, kind of yeah. at the, at this point. Yeah. So I liked all that. And um, yeah, and, and really my only kind of criticism of them in this movie is that, you know, you as soon as you leave Ape City, there's not like, especially given what the end of the movie is, there's not like a final scene with them. Yeah. So, But I mean, they were just great. They were just a delight, a great anchor into the whole uh, mm-hmm. movie, I thought. And yeah, um, yeah no, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. And then, yeah, and especially like once they do see Taylor too, and, and it, we do get the joke about like, "Are you you're Taylor?" No, 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 I'm not Taylor. I'm I'm Brent, but I, I I'm looking for Taylor. And then if you tell me where he is, and I did like, and, and the way I also liked how the movie played out was that there was a level of like, okay, let's not replay every single beat from Planet of the Apes, like how Taylor two is like way more of like a better go with the flow type of dude like he kind of gets it he gets that these guys are kind of like his like they're trying to help him out because like you can see like where yeah you you know what i mean i just thought that they streamlined it in a way to make everybody seem right they're they're familiar beats and i mean it it is the truth they are kind of familiar beats but they do kind of they do it to it quickly enough where it doesn't belabor that point yeah 
there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole bit where like they're talking about where Taylor went and they like, went to the forbidden zone and like, you know, he where that's because they also then I know Nova's there and where, where she might know where he is. But then they, they have to know that they have to hide everybody because Dr. Zayas is coming by. And there's a great, I mean, I don't want to call it a great bit, but it's funny looking at it now where like, you know, Zira is like hiding like a you know wound on her face. And then she has to tell Zayas like, oh, like, yeah, Cornelius hit me for like, you know, not standing up like for like, like being, you know, standing up at the meeting today or whatever. And like, and like, and then not acquiescing. And Dr. Zayas like, oh, you probably deserved it. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no. Oh, you got no. Sean Connery over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but even Zay is here when he's just, he was, he's like telling them like why he has to go on this mission, right? Like it's, it is his duty as the science officer. It's like, if there is something else out there, some other creature that they don't know about, it's his duty to head out there and see. Oh, if I don't something. know. Could it be beneath the planet of the apes? <laughs> so, uh, so again, like, you're, you're, you're correct. It's like, it is a nice extension. And I think it's also like the fact that the, the, you know, Maurice Evans gives that, that same oomph to the Zayas performance as he did in the previous one. And all the performances again are very much on top, especially with the apes. You know, I do miss Roddy, but that's just me. I love Roddy. Um, but uh, I, I just, he gives that same oomph to that performance in those types of scenes. So I, I really enjoyed that. I got to be honest, like for a long time, I didn't even notice. Oh, that wasn't Roddy? Yeah, I didn't. I, yeah. I just didn't. I, I think it was like later on, there were a couple line reads where I'm like, is that the same person? And then like, oh, guess no. it's not. No, but again, we'll get we'll get Roddy soon enough. And, and did you like did you like uh, like just Zayas though in general? I was I, like that was the thing I was most impressed with with him. I guess I I I I, I think you're I, I think you're kind of convincing me because that was one of the things I felt like I felt like for a while it's like I didn't know if they knew what to do with Zayas, but the more we've talked about it, especially like reconnecting with the the scene in the sauna. And this uh, this scene, I'm like, no, I guess there is a lot more to Zayas than I kind of initially thought in this movie. I just think it was like kind of cool because like, you know, they did a good job of like making him like a human asshole in like the last movie. Because yeah. it's like it was clearly like his his motivations were in his own mind and were like, you know, I, nothing bothers me more than the overplayed sentiment of like the bad guy always thinks he's good in his story. Like, you know, like, it's just kind of like, yeah, I, I guess, but it's just like such like an overused like sentiment to like talk about villains. Yeah. But no, we need more two finish mercies where they know they, they put evil in the corporation. Or, name. you know, but, or it's like, it's just kind of like a given. I, I just don't know if that's like the thesis statement of every yeah. villain. Yeah, like, no, I, no, I agree with you. But, like, you have to think, like, in his world, like, he's thinking, like, from this very, like, ignorant standpoint of, like, oh, like, we need to, like, there's certain things about the world that you don't need to know because, you know, it, it's it's all for the stability of the world. And yeah. I think what makes that work is because there are scenes where he does acknowledge that Taylor is, like, somebody who can talk, so he'll have an intelligent conversation with him. And, like, you know, there, there's a bit of, like, those type of moments so there was always a bit of element to dr zayas in that way but you know it wasn't just like a i don't believe any of this like it's like because clearly he knew more than what he was letting on yeah and it was and he was and it was more so that he was afraid to dive deep into it because of whatever his dogma was yeah 
So the fact that like this movie, you know, the sauna scene, and then when he walks into Cornelius and Zira, who, if I remember correctly, this is something they kind of just don't address, was that he was going to charge them for treason. But we'll just, you know, fine. Okay, we're not going to follow up on that. Yeah, that, that part wasn't part of the flashback yeah, in the it, beginning, it, so yeah. it's, it's non-canon. Yeah, so it's, it's like, as far as this movie goes, that's not a thing. But there was something I thought kind of cool that he walks into it and he's like, Listen, guys, like, I gotta admit, this ain't going good out there. Like, it's like, it was like, you know, so there was a little bit of, like, you know, dad in the room, like, admitting that, like, shit's going down that he doesn't like, but also, like, staying strong. I, I don't know. I, I really liked yeah. how they fleshed out his character. I, I, I would say I was one thing. I was just like, I was immediately doing headcanon stuff, right? And I would say that, like, maybe he was going to charge them that when, when they got back to Ape City, this whole thing with the gorillas was starting up and maybe that was like, okay, well that takes precedent for now. Cause like, that's what the focus is. Um, the other thing is that like, again, I, 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 I think you're really getting me on board with this, with Zayas in this movie, because it really is sort of this idea where it's like, again, he's going out there on this journey for his duty, but he, I think he knows that he's not going to be excited on what he finds. Well, I think the and movie, I and I think the movie does a good job with that. Cause every step of the way they give these moments of like, He's not completely on board with what what they're doing. Yeah. He's doing he's he like in, in many ways he's a morbid peacekeeper. Yeah. Like he's just trying to maintain this idea that like hey like we're all God's children and we can all make this work. Yeah, man is the devil, but maybe we can just let that be and just believe that and just maintain a status quo. You know, there's yeah. no need for like genocide or like, you know, the bloody statue is just a trick, guys. <laughs> well, it, it, but I think it's a really smart movie. It is. It's and, a smart movie. Well, and I was about to say, because I want to get to that illusion a little bit later, but one of the things I really did also like, right, we talked a little bit in the first movie about the lawgiver as a concept, but I think they do a good job in two senses, right, in the original scene where, you know, they're doing the big town meeting, and then they also have a scene in, like, one of the churches but, you know, kind of the bless the soldiers before they head out. And both scenes are like very interesting, like just even like a slight little deeper dive into the lawgiver as sort of this religious figure and how the laws of the lawgiver are interpreted within this ape society. So um, and that that does lead into that scene later. And I think that's all very good, especially where, again, Zayas is someone who has the lawgiver's word always on the top of his head, right? We, we see that even in the flashback that they show at the end of, from the end of the first movie. It's consistent with the stuff in the first movie, but it's also consistent with Zayas that like he knows that there's more to all this than what the lawgiver says. And that that knowledge is, you're right, was what kind of scares him in that there is going to be more that can be revealed to the larger ape society, either about man or about the world around them now that could start the crumbling nature of the uh, society they have. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and also, I think it's also, again, even if that wasn't, even if the full extent of it isn't in the movie, also, I think Zayas does recognize as well that, like, the, the chimps starting to uprise and protest and the little protest, um, the little protest that they, that the chimps try to perform before the gorillas and Zayas go out. Is it also an interesting aspect of like, Hey, the society around them is already kind of, this sort of perfect society that they have. This intellectual society is already crumbling because now the different factions of that society are starting to kind of war on a, 
um, on the society, even though, again, one of those little lines that you hear that uh, that kind of makes me laugh just in the, in the context is there's that scene where, again, they're 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 doing the whole thing where the, the, the chimps are kind of protesting like we want peace, no war, whatever they're saying. And, you know, the gorillas are the, the, the general Ursus is like, ah, oh, just, you know, take him. But like, you know, don't don't hurt him, essentially, like, you know, but they still take him by force, the gorillas. And you just hear one of the chimps, one of the chimps just yells out gorilla brutality. I gorilla did hear that. Yeah, that, yeah, that was <laughs> that was funny. I did. I do remember that. I was wondering there was something that. Yeah, that was it. That was the yeah. one. Uh, and meanwhile, with with Taylor, too, what ends up happening is that. um Zira and Cornelius essentially give him like, you know, eight, you know, human clothing of their time and essentially says like, listen, if you if you talk, they're going to dissect you and kill you in that order. And good line. Good line. Yeah. And then they're going to like, you know, so basically whatever you do, just act among these human savages and and don't don't let them know because they also do call talk call back to like oh, man, we thought Taylor was going to be with his other two buddies in the museum over there. And then that's where we get right. Like Brent's kind of more go with the flow where he's like his two buddies. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't want none of that. Like, let me get out of here. Like, he's like literally like, I don't want any part of this. Well, that's like the thing, though, too. Like the thing is like that's a smart thing in the story because you do kind of have to constantly remind people that it's not just like it's a planet of the apes. It's a planet of the apes where it's a world where the humans are essentially animals. So if you're just like a up and talking, walking animal, like yeah. that's going to fucking freak people out. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, Nick, but Nick, it's a good movie. Um, it's a good movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to more of the good parts of the movie. You're going to, so, by the end of this podcast, you're going to say it's a good movie. I'm, I'm going to convince not... you. I'm going right. to convince you. It's a good movie. I liked it. I ended up enjoying watching it. I'm excited for the rest of these. Um, it, it, Taylor 2 and Nova eventually do get captured. Zero tries to kind of get them out by saying they're good specimens, but the general sort of, I, I think, like either by random chance or there's a general sense of like, well, you know, if you want them, then they're definitely things we need to kill. So we're, we've got them for target practice. Um and they eventually do escape further um, into uh, the Forbidden Zone. And we get them, uh, you know, uh, heading underground. We find they get into a cave, which happens to be. It's a very like because the movie is only an hour and a half. Yes. It's not a long movie. but no. And it moves very well, but also like makes like a good it's just paced very well. Like mm -hmm. I, it was like, there was nothing like extraneous and I didn't feel like I was missing anything. It's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but eventually, like, you. yeah, eventually, cause we always also some stuff again, like, a, like the little world building stuff, which is nice where they show like the gorilla training camps and just how they use humans basically as just fodder of this. Like here's we're, we're practicing the nets and we're practicing our horse stuff. And, it's a very well organized military operation, which again you can kind of feel like, oh, this this could kind of be the overtaking force if if like if Ursus wanted to, he could be he could put himself in charge because his 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 military force is well trained. Um, but eventually, yeah, Brent and Nova head underground while they're being chased by the gorillas, and eventually they find themselves in Queensboro Station, 
where again we get a very truncated version of like they really did it from Brent. Like they he Brent really realizes like I lived here, I worked here, I they did it. Those bastards did it. I'm like, yeah, it is the same thing as the previous. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure they needed to do it. Like, I was like, uh, you could diversify up the, the fucking uh, the, the dialogue, dialogue yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, and so they kind of are kind of hiding out here. Eventually, Brent realizes that the gorillas are on their tail, so they head further into the underground. Um, and they they kind of pass more New York stuff. Um, which just made me think of Futurama, where how old New York is just underground everything. Uh, but they pass Radio City Music Hall. They pass like the New York Public Library. They eventually get to, um, I believe. I mean, the thing I did like about that, though, is like I did like that if you're going to go do a sequel, like follow up on the Statue of Liberty thing. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that that's very much an easy, easy thing to do. Right. So it's like I did appreciate that at the end of the day, it was like kind of like, OK, like it's not like he finds the Statue of Liberty again. He's like walking through like the subways of New York and right. And finding all like like, that. Yeah. And, yeah. Finding all the, the different like iconic again, like the New York Public Library and um, the Radio City Music Hall. And it's just very recognizable things and, and good sort of like matte paintings and everything like that, like everything kind of looked really nice mm-hmm. uh, eventually get they get to i believe it's um yeah saint patrick's cathedral another n- notable new york landmark oh and, and along the way there's also all these weird noises and there's there's all these weird kind of sensations and there's kind of like hints at like what's going on like you know like like there's kind of like this weird investigation and then we get to the scene outside the, the cathedral where there's like a water fountain essentially there's like a little water spout and so they're like, okay, well, again, they're surviving. They need water, right? The and- sets in the, the kind of like the underground feel very thir- – like, you know, it's kind of not filmed in the same way. But it's like you get the same feeling of like when they go into like the Nostromo and Alien. Yeah. Like there's a lot of kind of like they just walk around. There's a lot of visual cues of like what may be what. And there's like weird things that – Maybe you can extrapolate, like the fountain, for instance. Like, there's the fountain there that activates randomly. There's like that ladder that, like, you know, vibrates, and you you touch it, and it doesn't anymore. And you know, and then they kind of give some lip service to what that may be, but right. you know, they, there's they like do a good, light, yeah, yeah, stuff like they that. They do they do a good job of by the time that they have the reveal, they've done their work to be like there is something going on down here. Yeah. So that's that's good. Right. And then we get to this scene, which we kind of hinted at, which is um, Brent gets his drink from the water fountain and then Nova starts getting her drink. And then all of a sudden, like something's going on with Brent. He's like shaking and he's like he's like going like like stiff and he's like must drown her. And he like essentially starts drowning Nova in the water. And like, you know, he's essentially like I it it. it, it good performance in the sense of like it is like sort of like you can tell he's having sort of an out of body sort of experience where it's like it's not him doing this like because we know that character wouldn't do that at that time and eventually he like kind of unlocks himself and looks horrified mm-hmm. but again poor nova like again she's just like literally like oh this weird dude that like is like just yelling at me like i've i've, I've found this other thing and like she has no idea what's going on like he recognizes everything and he, she doesn't. And then she's like, oh, man, water. Cool. Oh, my God. Like, I can't breathe. Like, what the hell? Um, and then. Yeah. yeah, the the underground psychic mind control thing is an idea. It's the only idea in the movie I'm lukewarm on. Like, it's just it, it's it's fine. 
Like, it's yeah. okay. I get that it adds drama, and I get that it leads into, like, this is what's something different about the people who have been living under the ground versus, like, the regular humans on top. And so I'm equal parts, like, I like the swing, but I'm also, like, kind of, like, is it just too much? Like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I isn't think that- it isn't it enough that they're just kind of like weird mutants that love a nuclear bomb? Yeah, man. But then you can't get these weird like nods where they like you get these whole conversations. Honestly, I just more so it's like I think it was just to save time in the movie because then you basically just have Brent like once he gets to the console, just like you don't have to have their dialogues. He just responds to everybody for like half that scene. Um, but anyways, because I did like that. I did like that scene. That's the problem. Like, I thought that was like kind of cleverly done. If you're right. going to like the, the way in which they directed, like how a non psychic talks to a psychic. Yeah. I actually thought that was really cool. Yeah, because we get the reveal, too, because then Brent, like, realizes what he's doing and unlocks himself from his uh, uh, from like the, the mind control and enters the cathedral where he hears someone praising the nuclear bomb, uh, the alpha and omega bomb. And then he starts having this. I like. I just. I did thought this was a cool idea too, where like he starts having the conversation with the person, and then he starts realizing, oh, their lips aren't moving. Like I, I like that there wasn't. There was like a little bit of a back and forth between them, and he's like, wait a minute, like what the hell? Your lips aren't moving. Like how are you speaking to me? I thought that was kind of a little way of doing that reveal, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I I liked how all that was played out. Like I, I did think that was interesting because it was just efficient. Like there was never a moment in that scene where I'm like, how is this working? Like you kind of have established that they're, you know, through sound design and everything, they're like kind of projecting something. And then he answers a question. I mean, as much as I joke about Taylor too, he is, he is good in the movie. Like, I actually do think he's good. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean, his only, like the only problem with him is that he looks like Charlton Heston. Yeah, you really could have diversified the look a little bit. That's but. really the only problem with him. If Char- if he if he didn't look like Charlton Heston or Charlton Heston didn't look like how he did, I would have no issues with this guy. So like all of his great performances, every now and then I'm kind of like, but why does he? Well, we'll get, we'll get to the scene when it becomes a problem, but. Ultimately, the scene you're talking about, I thought was all done really well. Oh, I yeah. So eventually, because he, he gets taken away from the, the the more church chamber and into the like the console chamber where he he like goes with the leader of all the like the, the five leaders of all these psychics. And I did like the various costumes on these guys. Like there was like the main guy. There was like the guy with the John Lennon glasses. There was the girl. There was the black guy. And then there was the other fatter guy. But they all like had like cool kind of looks to them, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I liked a lot of it, too, was just like, again, how this was directed, where each of them were like beaming a thing into his mind. And then like he, he would just respond to those questions and they could like visually pull up like things they were looking at or they could like, like kind of like, hey, like we're talking about Taylor. And then you see like a little bit of, of Taylor in the background on like kind of the screen, like they're watching TV. Like there was there was a lot of like really neat stuff that they did with this stuff. Uh, but eventually they do reveal they can speak English. And like the whole the whole thing with these guys is that they are their remains of like the actual human society that like perished with the bomb. Right. Like and, and that that kind of like got extra sensory powers. Because I mean, they're, the- they're essentially Morlocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that, I mean, that's really what they are. They're like the underground people who 
stayed after they stayed underground after the world ended and because they stayed underground like weird shit happened to them like that's mm -hmm. kind of like the concept of them yes um and so the essentially like know that the apes are above them and that the whole their whole bit too is that like oh they only use like peaceful means of weaponry which is essentially the illusions and the mind stuff that they do they don't yeah, actually yeah like... i i get it like i understand but the problem is they're still using like mind control for like people to kill other people and i get that that's the idea i get right. like their hypocrisy yeah no i mean they i get it like it's like they think that they're being cool but like in, in the hypocrisy is like they think like just using our minds to make a person kill another person is like more peaceful than right, what the apes do but it's like i that was the only part of the movie that didn't really work for me it's just like personally yeah yeah, yeah. And it's more so like hey the blood's off our hands in our society um yeah, yeah. so that's essentially it but they're essentially like but asking, the reveal i i think we i think we kind of skipped over this a little bit that reveal when he goes through the door yes. of the bomb oh, right right yeah yeah is awesome Mm -hmm. that is really cool right because it's literally like the bombs there and then it's one guy kind of praying like all all praise glory be to the bomb essentially uh like and it's 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 a really and like that i believe that that inside cathedral is one of the sets from hello dolly redress which why it looks so nice but would you say like that's the moment in the movie where you're like you're either on board with this movie or not no i thought like, it was that, that, that's the moment that, yeah because that's really like everything you've seen before this is essentially like it is sort of a redux slash expansion of the stuff we saw in Planet of the Apes, right? It's a or lot like of apes, apes light. Yeah, right. Ape, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas like this is where the movie becomes something different. This is the yeah. where the movie introduces an actual new concept to the world. And then you're right. This is the part of the movie where like you're in or you're out because this is where that the world of the Planet of the Apes and the future Earth is like way expanded beyond like what what the original film told us. Well, when that music cue kicks in and then they kind of like the camera pans up into that. And again, this is somebody who kind of knew where the movie was going. I was like, dude, two thumbs up. Love yeah. it. I love it. It was yeah. good. It was cool. And, and there's a lot of like really cool stuff that comes out of this too, right? Because there, there's like two scenes. Like we get the console scene and again, all the like kind of the my, mental torture that happens to the Taylor too. And sort of like the, the John Lennon dude with the glasses is like, uh is really stepping down and being like dude like you gotta let us know like what's going on up there are they planning an attack he's like i don't know nothing all that sort of stuff like that i like also taylor uh, taylor two's really bad lie when they're like what about nova and her, he's like oh what's that some sort of star like i don't know no nova and they're like torture and it's like fine she's some girl i don't know she's harmless um, but the, there's the two scenes that kind of come out of all this stuff, which is the church sequence underground and the illusion sequence with the apes. And we talked a little bit about the illusion sequence with the apes. So we, I want to get, get to that real quick. That was awesome. This whole sequence where the apes are kind of going into the forbidden zone and then the fire kind of comes up, which I, I think is not the best fire effects in the world, but it's kind of, still fun it was the fire effects of the age what are you going to do yeah but then they see a statue which of again actually soapbox moment yeah is the lesson of why the argument of dated vfx is a trivial one 
It's a valid argument, but a trivial argument. Continue. I don't disagree. I mean, it's just, it looked fine. It was just, a, it was a little silly, but you have to, again. It is it. silly, because it's like, it looks dumb. But it's like, you know, the fire comes up, and it is what it, as long as it's telling the story, you know what fucking rocks, is then when it cuts to the fucking statue, and right. blood's coming out of it, and all these apes in their silly fucking makeup are like, ah! <laughs> it's like, that's the best so that's part. A, so it's a statue of the lawgiver, and then it starts bleeding, and like, and it earthy. Awesome. Ursus is shocked. He's like, the lawgiver bleeds. Awesome. And like, there's Great. blood coming out. Love and everybody's it. scared. And then and then we talk about Zeus kind of realizes it's it's an illusion. It has to be an illusion. And he like runs through the fire and he's not hurt at all. And eventually, like the statue falls down and like a fake explosion happens. And then you even see like once it's all like done, you see Ursus sort of like breathe this little sigh of relief, like, 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 like of just how like how how mind, like how that just like drained him well dude like because that i i'll be i'll be frank like that image of how that statue looks especially in that shot of the bleeding is almost like maybe not quite there but like is comparable to like for me when i was watching it to the statue of liberty shot mm-hmm. like when they cut to that shot and like just because like it's clearly like a you know like just the the vfx work on it and everything was just so like I'm not quite as emotionally attached to that image and it still worked gangbusters for me. Right. And I, I think it's also, like I said, like, again, it's just the reaction of Ursus also sells it. Cause like if they realize it's the illusion they can carry on, but there's like a, such a draining moment where like, he's like, carry on guys, like move forward. Like, he's just like, Jesus, that was, that was rough. Yeah. That was rough to like see. And you're um, right. And I, and I think that's a good point about the movie is because the movie does such a good job of like, taught of of selling you on like the this character is so set on his ways and that this is what his mission is so even a simple line of like the lawgiver bleeds like it was just it works you're just kind of like oh no he does bleed i don't even know who the lawgiver is but i give a shit yeah (laughs) no it's true we also have again the church sequence underground where all the psychic mutants are praising the bomb in in a, a larger church service, which has like this really fun sort of redux of like a an actual religious song, but just about a bomb and like all the stuff where it's like, oh like may the bomb like burst and like the the fallout wash over us, like stuff like that. This is where we'll also get the reveal that all the site all the mutants underground are actually wearing masks. And they're actually like deformed freaks. Crazy. All while during like a, a big like, you know, church prayer scene and everything. It's nuts, dude. Like it's crazy. Right. I and the bombs, it. the bombs just sitting there and they have like the little control panel for it right there. And like, you know, Taylor Two's like, man, like this is all crazy. It, it's a nice little sequence. And again, it, it's a nice little parallel to the apes with their religious service earlier in the movie when they're asking the lawgiver to bless like the, mm, the thing. Good point. Good point. There's a yeah. nice little bit where it's like the real thing about it is like both of these are very religious societies and they're, they're the religion to some degree is what drives both of their existences. Cause again, the lawgiver is a very religious figure in the ape religion and the lawgiver's word. We even hear it again at the beginning of the movie mm. is just about man is being, you know, man is the devil. And like to not like trust them. It's almost like it's a good movie. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, put that in the bank. Right. Maybe that maybe it is. And that was just gonna Continue. The, the finishing the finishing the point where it's like in the same thing, like the, the underground mutant psychics are are doing this bomb that they realize can kill everybody in an instant, but like you know it, it is still the thing that they worship most so and there's sort of that sort of same danger of just kind of having this blind worship um and then we get to the part of the movie which you've talked about which is where taylor two makes taylor one yeah it's fine and they look they do they do look very similar to each other again i mentioned this earlier there's a scene where they're kind of delivering the exposition of like this is what the stakes of the movie are and then like taylor two who i didn't know was taylor two at the time he starts just going on this whole like if they set off this bomb they have no idea the weapon they have. It'll cause a chain reaction that can destroy the planet. Like he's just going on and on. And like, and I was like, and so when he starts talking, I was looking somewhere else. And then I look it, I, I look back at the screen like one or two lines in, and I'm like, oh, okay, Charlton Heston's really putting this together. And then they cut to hit Charlton Heston. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I thought yeah. Charlton Heston was talking. And that's how much they, they look, look like, like each, each other. other yeah well, yeah, yeah. It, it's so bizarre i also like that they know each other that they specifically sent someone who knew taylor to go like brent what are you doing here yeah yeah and, and i and i and, also and, and brent's I, I like think, like i like that I was, there's a, again the weird jovialness of like it's you're seeing an old friend but it's like brent what are you doing here oh we followed the same trajectory you did we landed here on the future earth too oh that's crazy I think the thing that I liked about Charlton Heston in this movie was like, I, for some reason I thought that they were going to like do something kind of like weird and bizarre with the character, but like, you know, ultimately they keep honest to the character he was. Yeah. And uh, he gets a badass moment at the end of this movie, which I'll talk about. Right. And uh, yeah. So all of his stuff, I, all this stuff worked enough right. for me. Yeah. And so eventually, yeah, this is a whole scene where the black psychic comes in and he's basically like, Oh, we're going to make you two fight each other. And so there's like this like kind of forced fight with everybody. Then we get the big moment where Nova says her first words, which she's like, Taylor. And then uh, the, it distracts the psychic guy. Psychic guy like out, ungrasp his reach on Taylor 1 and Taylor 2. And then Charlton Heston just like pushes him into the, the door or like the, the cell. And like it just like stabs him and, and he dies. And like his mask falls off and everything like that. And then they escape. And then essentially this leads into like the big end of the movie where the apes uh, like come in onto the psychic society and their violent ways like kill everybody. Um, they prepare the bomb to go off in the cathedral and then the apes come in and like kill, kill the dude who's going to set it off. And then there's a the whole conversation about like, oh, like it's this thing was made by humans. It's like, oh, this made was this thing was made by like, it's like, you know, oh, no, sorry. I skipped ahead where it's like, the guy's like, our, our God, this is our God. We'll, we'll, we'll punish you. And then they just shoot him. And then Ursus is like, this is your God. He didn't do anything for you. And then, and then. Like, awesome. Kind of ta- ta- great, great stuff. Cause there was a moment where I thought the ape stuff was g- getting a little bit lost, but then, then they kind of came full force in the third act and it was all forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. And they just like, uh, yeah. and then again, in this whole, this is, um, in this chaos, Nova's killed, and Taylor's, of course, very upset about it. 
Um, they eventually make their way to like where the apes are. The apes kind of take a look at the bomb. And again, like the gorillas don't take it seriously. Oh, it's some, it's just some false God essentially. And Zeus is like, no, this thing was made by humans. It is dangerous. And then like Ursus just starts shooting it, um, which is great. They then, and then they're like, oh, let's just lower it. Then once they lower, like smoke starts coming out of it. Then they're like, okay, we're going to stop. This is when Brent and Taylor make their presence known and then start shooting things, right? Taylor gets shot. Brent, like, gets to kill a couple of apes, and then he gets shot, and then, like... it's a, it, it really is a bloodbath. Like, yeah. it's like people just... Like, main characters are just getting shot all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then it's... I think we're getting to the moment that you want to talk about. Yeah, badly. okay, all right, so... They're just building up to this moment where, and it, and it is really well done. I, I actually do think that the movie did a really good job of explaining that here's a society of underground mutant psychics who do think that because of their circumstances have elevated them above anything humanity has ever been. Like they're beyond even like physical human speech. But they do find themselves being in a situation where they are under attack by a brute force, the apes, being way more numerous for them. So this is a problem for them. And the complicated relationship and like the kind of like the ignorance of the apes versus like the um, what should I say, the hubris of like their own abilities. And then we're also you kind of have to tangentially add the whole like human ape thing like you know i mean like you know to be fair apes are keeping human slaves and things like that so there's all that kind of stuff involved in it and then into the apes these psychics these mutants are just another set of humans so so there's nothing to them basically at the end of the day they like the movie weaves this tale of like you really do understand where both sides have come where are coming from but also understand like it's this world of just like this world is lost <laughs> it's just it's just nihilistic everybody had no matter if you're ape or human everybody's just come has just de-evolved to their as much as here oh i got one for you nick you're gonna like this one all right you're gonna like this go. one here we go as much as the apes have evolved and as much as the humans have evolved everybody has de-evolved to their most primal instincts of whether it be religion, dogma, violence, whatever. Right. And it all coalesces to a head in this final scene where the insinuation is like the fucking leader has like these crystals that may, you know, it's not said out loud, but it's going to detonate the bomb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it goes. And Taylor, at this point, Nova has been killed, so now he's all jaded. He's like, everyone must die. And then, I don't remember the line that Taylor says, but it's this very Charlton Heston moment where everybody's like, don't do it, Taylor! Don't activate the the crystals! And then he's just like, you goddamn bastards like he just said something like that and then he goes in can i can i just go to the end yes okay so he goes to the end close up of his bloody bare knuckle man hand charlton heston man hand just like activating the thing big sound white 
goes through the screen, and then I have the line up here. It's the most badass line I've ever heard in a movie. And it's credited on IMDb as ending voiceover, which is also funny because there has been no voiceover yeah. in the movie. Episode. Right, and, and this is the line that Paul Freeze delivers, and it's he's, he's the perfect right. announcer voice. And then the line is, in one of the countless billions of galaxies in the universe lies a medium-sized star and one of its satellites a green and insignificant planet is now dead. Credits! That's and the no, end of the movie! And like no music on the credits. No! All silence. There's even a moment if you watch the movie where you don't even know if there's going to be credits. Yeah. They play like the copyright thing first. So bad. I love this ending. This ending is it's, really good. It's this so really good. good. It's like, you know, you can, anybody in the world can say that like movies are never ballsy enough, but no movie I've seen has been as ballsy as this. Like there's not like a follow-up scene. There's not like a, oh, Zero and Cornelius got off of the planet. But it's good. It's a good, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I yelling and ranting about it i love the ending nick what did, what did you think what i know did you i love it too ending? especially because i love too there's this little implication earlier in the whole scene right where when taylor and brent are still like alive right when when the when the bomb like they they bring the bomb down and smoke starts coming out and like there you see like ursus and zayas are gonna like mess with the console and then like brent and, and taylor like go to stop him because they're like oh yeah we don't want the bomb to detonate at that point and then what i love about it too is like as soon as taylor gets shot right and he like knows he's dying like that's the moment where he's like you know what fuck all these apes fuck all these people this and like everything i've known is now dead so there's no reason for this planet to exist and like with with this society with this with these and and this and this scene is well done like even charlton heston in the scene for a guy who didn't want to do it like he's hamming it up. Like yeah. he's got like his like he's all bloody. He's got the hand in his chest. He's like, ah, and you bastards. And then even like, like even so Zayas is like Taylor. Like what are you doing here? <laughs> and and then like still and still it's just it's, like it's just getting out of hand. Everybody's hand. It's getting out of right. Like and then nobody even, knows what to and do. And even Zayas in this moment of chaos is still like, you humans are bastards too. Like he basically is still like on his belief system and that's really i think what dooms everybody is that he just pulls down the crystal the fade the white again i love i was about this i was gonna read that last line out too if you didn't like it's so good it's just because it's like i haven't you know you really do have to focus on like the things that you've never heard before and like the fact that like because again there's no narration in the movie it's not like it's a framing device just a crazy thing happens in the movie and then, like, a narrator is like, oh, yeah, so the planet's dead. Yeah. Roll the credits. That's it. There's no lesson. I mean, I mean, you can gather the lesson through the narrative of the movie, but right. it's not like the, it's not like it's like, it's not like Morgan Freeman. It's like, and that's when everybody learned that, like, Andy Dufresne knew who he had to be. Like, it's like, it's not like, it's not like that. It's just like, so basically he, 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 like, this is my Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor hit the crystal, and then what happened is that the planet blew up, and everybody blew up the shit, and 
the planet of the apes was no more. Go home. Like, throw yeah. your pop, throw your popcorn away. Don't put it on the floor. <laughs> this is Morgan Freeman. <laughs> this is so bad. I was waiting for you to make a. <laughs> I was waiting for you to make a March of the Penguins joke. All everything, including the penguins. They these pe- these penguins crawled through a sewer of shit to get. To- <laughs> No, no, this ending rules. This really does. Yeah. I, I just, again, just, again, it's just, I mean, again, it was like Heston's idea is like, hey, if there's one way to guarantee we're never going to make more Planet of the Apes, it's just, just to blow up the Planet of the Apes. So. Well, and that's why it reminds me a lot of like the the original Halloween 2, which I have learned over the years that I actually quite like more than most people do. Like, or at least I like hold a little bit more value to it than most people do. Like, I really like that movie a lot. Um, but I've always felt it as being like one of those rare instances where it's a really good sequel that kind of like ups the ante a little bit, but then like cuts it off at like a definitive ending. And like when this movie ended, I was like, oh, this is kind of like the Halloween two of the Apes franchise. Mm-hmm. So I, I just like, I don't know, the more we've talked about it, like, you know, and we've gone through it. There's like little nitpicks, I, you know, but every, all the things I don't like, I would just be like, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe that's dated. That doesn't work for me or that's like a nitpick. But I think broadly what it's doing, because even the psychic thing, I'm kind of like iffy about. Like, I think there's just some cool material they get out of there. I think the mind control thing is like maybe meh. like that, yeah, that's not a, my Yeah, that's not my favorite part about the movie. But otherwise, I walked away from it being like, Nick. Pretty good movie. <laughs> yeah, you've you got me more on board with that as we've gone on. Like, I, I did enjoy watching it. Good, I good, really good, did. Good. Um, yeah. But I think you've. I think we've again. A lot of times, this is why I like doing Bazilla because the more we talk about the movie and its actual themes and what what is presented to us, the more I found that there is depth in here. That line, <laughs> and, and, and I'll say this one more time. That ending line is awesome. Yeah, it's it's really like and, even and I, it, I was watching it and that happened and in my in my apartment. I was like, oh yes. <laughs> I had explained to somebody or like earlier, like how you, me, and our like close group of friends watch movies. Yeah, it reminds it reminds me a little bit. Again, Marvel tangent, real quick. Remember when we went to go see Doctor Strange? Yeah, and then like spoiler alerts for Doctor Strange, but like when basically when any Sam Raimi thing happens, right? Multiverse of Madness specifically. Multiverse of Madness. When any Sam Raimi esque thing happened, we were the loudest people in the theater. Yeah. Because, and my friend put it to me, it's like, we are so cognizant of filmmaker bullshit. Yeah. And we enjoy it. Like, not necessarily plot related things or things that happen, just like these weird, like esoteric, you can't really put your finger on it, like stylistic storytelling choices or genre trope usages that just make us laugh. Yeah. And the fact that like this movie ended with just like this nihilistic voiceover in this with this very, very pulpy line. Made my day. It made my day. Yeah, it it, it was really fun to visit this. And I'm I'm really I'm more excited now to visit these other three, especially Mm. because I know at least two of them have the same writer as this one. I know that as much. And I'm very excited to just kind of see different takes on it, especially because now the Planet of the Apes is dead. Where are they going to go from here? Who knows? I'm very excited. I'm very excited to kind of keep going with with this era of apes. 
Um, but first, we got to talk about um, the release of this movie, which was uh, opened up in May 26, 1970, um, and was a big, big box office success. Is exactly what Fox wanted. Fox wanted this movie to be a big boon to their bottom line, and it was. On a $2.5 million budget, the film ended up grossing um, $19 million in North America and a little bit more, even more around the world. Um, it had number, it reached number one in its sixth week of release with just under a million dollars. Fox was over the moon about this profit margin. And even with the ending of this movie, that uh, by, by the time that it hit number one at the box office, the, the, the people at Fox were already thinking of, how can we, how can we redo this? How can we make sure a sequel happens to these movies? Even though the planet blew up. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely get into that next time yeah i guess there's really not much we can really say about that other than just delving into the next movies right yeah so um review wise this movie was definitely not well reviewed at the time um like critics basically thought it was just a dumber version of the previous film and didn't have a lot of the same fun and boo he's wrong he's wrong he's wrong guys Sorry, I mean, continue. It, there could have been multiple genders who have said this will. So, you know, this was. This they're was, wrong. Um, Guys, they're wrong. Continue. Um, so. Um, it uh, it definitely has also risen in some respects as more of the original series happened. And there, there are people like you and me who have gone back on this film and taken in a lot more of its subtext than it was previously uh, indicated. Um, so, but this was, it's, this is still regarded as one of the weaker entries of the original planet of the Apes series, which is as I more and more research things is a series that again, may not be the most like known in terms of like what happens in every film, but from a pop culture perspective, like people still take that first one as the most pop culture influence, but it is a series that people who love it really love it. And that's another reason why I wanted to, to dig into these movies and why I'm excited to keep going. Uh, one other thing I want to mention though, which I think is funny because it relates to another franchise we've talked about on this series. Um, this is very tangential and has nothing to do with anything, but I thought this was fun. Um, obviously, like there's Planet of the Apes comics that have been existed since the original series happened. And um, right now, uh, the rights are currently owned by IDW Publishing, which at one point also had the rights to or might still have the rights to the Star Trek franchise. So there is a, a IDW Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover comic where a star mm, yeah i do know about this one yeah yep. the, there's mm. an original series star trek comic where the klingons travel universes to the planet of the apes with the idea that if they can't conquer worlds through the treaties in their time they can conquer other universes and a whole klingon and star trek uh, original series story takes place in the background of the events of beneath the planet of the apes um, which is kind of a really fun concept and almost something I want to like seek out just to see sort of the references that happened. And in fact, like, and again, we'll get into it more next time, not me about specifically, but there is also an implication that the events of the Star Trek crew during Beneath the Planet of the Apes uh, directly leads into the events that lead into the next film in this franchise. And the next film in this franchise 
uh, will feature the return of Roddy McDowell to the Cornelius role. And how might that happen, you say? We will find out as we check a look at Escape from the Planet of the Apes. What? But how do we escape? When it just blew up. How does that happen? We don't know. Tune in next month sometime. Yeah. But our next episode will not be Escape from Planet of the Apes. We got to go back to Die Hard, Will. And we also got to go back to another movie that has a lot of similar beats to the movie that preceded it in some form or fashion. Um, we had Die Hard in a Die Hard. And now we're going to do <laughs> we're going to do Die Hard in an airport in an airport. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to see what happens when we uh, die harder with Die it's Hard. The, it, it, it's the Die Hard. I know the least. But it's the Die Hard I know is the most. It's fine. Yeah, no, I'm 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 in the same boat as you. It's Die Hard. I've seen the least. It's fine. I I just know. I I know. I mean, at least in that one, he wasn't supposed to be on vacation. Yes, he was not. Well, I don't know, but he is. Was he air- supposed to be on vacation? He is. I don't know because there's a part where I'm trying. I'm starting to think that every other movie other than Die Hard. Uh, what's the what's the Die Hard not with, with a vengeance? Is it with a vengeance? Die Hard with a vengeance. He's supposed to be on vacation, but he's not. He's not supposed to be on vacation. Oh no no no! Sorry sorry sorry! No no no! You're thinking it's uh, a good day to die hard. A good day to die. Right? Yeah. Sorry, I, I thought because like I was like, oh, but Die Hard Three takes place in New York, and he's a cop still, so he's definitely not supposed to be on vacation in that one. Like technically, yeah. In Die Hard 1, he is technically on... Die Hard 1 is the only movie in Die Hard where he was supposed to be on vacation. He's not on vacation in the other movies. Anyway, he's at an airport in the next one. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean a vacation. It just could be, you know, know, commute commute for work. Who knows? We'll find (laughs) out in the next episode. Yeah, we'll find out for sure. Um. And again, thanks. I really do thank you guys for your patience. I know we haven't been at our two a month film thing, and we will we we will try to get episodes as best we can. But I don't know that one. That one person laughed at our at our rant on the other thing, so that like basically bought us another week, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, no. Um, we, I'm not a good like you know host. That's why Nick is better at this than me because yeah. like I love you guys, but you you know I'm not as nice. <laughs> Nick likes to apologize to you guys. I don't. Yeah. I don't like uh, to no, do that. No. You know uh, why? Because you don't pay for it. Yeah, we do not have a Patreon. But when you do reach out and you do say that something makes you happy that we say, or if you're waiting for a new episode, it does It does make us happy. It makes yeah. me happy personally. Yeah, and we no, love you guys. And yeah, we have gotten a lot of feedback on on the, the, the frog stuff that, that has... That has gone within Bonsilla, yeah the frog w- within within Bonsilla canon that has been one of our most viral little things yeah the um, frog the we frog went to thing. during that we I think in the uh, in the break we went to Disneyland recently so we went on Pirates of the Caribbean and the frog the frogs were brought up yes reasonably so yeah in any case we'll be back soon. Thanks yep. again for joining us. Uh, Bonsillapod at gmail.com, twitter.com slash Bonsilla007. Keep telling us what you like. And hey, maybe you have ideas about how Deadpool and a Planet of the Apes situation in the MCU would work out. Uh, I really do like our idea. I think it would make a really good little like fake script. Um, anyways. Fake uh, script, dude. No, that's the movie, man. Come on. You got to dream big. 
Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I said Twitter.com slash Bonzilla's Level 7. Like and subscribe iTunes and SoundCloud.com slash Bonzilla's Level 7. Keep circulating the links. That's someone else's thing, but... Oh, that's yeah. mystery. That's mystery science theater. This is uh, keep circulating the tapes because back because <laughs> back in the day, people would send tapes of the old MS2K episodes, and that keep circulating the tapes because that that gets us more fans. Mm-hmm. And they and they encourage that because then you could watch more episodes on Comedy Central and then later Sci-Fi, even though people didn't really know about the Sci-Fi switchover, so they they didn't watch it, and that's why the original series got canceled. That you know that's for Nick's next patreon podcast special yeah just ranting about failed projects that we all love that kind of succeeded but kind of didn't oh i mean that that's that if we ever did a bonzilla spinoff that was going to be i i i want to talk about the black hole on this podcast at some point or no fashion. no it's that's not happening We've talked about the other no, two 1979 movies. No, so we have to complete not, the trilogy. No, no, it's not happening. You have way too much to say about the black hole. That like I'm saying that because that needs to be your own show. That needs to be like a black hole podcast. I've actually said Nick should actually start a black hole museum. So it's like I, this I is tough. I, this is tough love to get him to do more with the idea than he, what he wants to do right now. I essentially do have a mini black hole museum, and there's also no way that we're not talking about the core before the black hole. Like that's just like that's yeah. just that's well, just lunacy. Yeah, the core is happening. I wouldn't be wouldn't be shocked if it happens someday. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, but it's I, happening before the black hole. Well, you know what? I thought, I mean, this is, we, we got to wrap up or the music's probably playing right now that I put in. Oh, they're playing us off? Maybe. We're but, playing us off right now? Like you and me are playing each other off. Like you are playing us off. Nick maybe. does the post, so you're playing us off. Okay. Maybe, 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 maybe. The, I, I always had the thought that the core would be an awesome series finale. If we Whatever the, the theme is. I mean, that we we got that so long ago. Anyway, yeah. all right, are we good? Can we can we go? Let's leave. All right, bye everybody. Hey, peace out. <laughs>